everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is Season 8, Episode 62. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you go back and check out Episode 61, the Ollie Gates interview. We discussed the importance of family, which was really dope because we had his dad in the building. Shout-outs to Father Mo. And he was in the studio just dropping gems all episode long. I loved it facts and we also discussed working with minimal distractions which tend to be very difficult for us especially as millennials and being interactive with social media so we dived into that which is very imperative and also being willing to do anything for your company being an entrepreneur you have to go the extreme length sometimes you have to put blood sweat and tears and make a lot of sacrifices so we did discuss that and the importance of establishing a team keeping your ego in check and so much more so definitely when you get a chance go check it out let us know what you think about the interview hopefully you could rate it also that'll be great on all the platforms we have it posted on and just keep us posted on your thoughts and hopefully it helped you in your endeavors whether you're an entrepreneur or you're just working at a company and you're just trying to get by day by day yeah definitely well said we always want to bring you guests that are going to just inspire you and just help you take what you're doing to the next level because that's what we're always trying to do just get what we can from these guests and hopefully they're making a difference when you check out the episode so yeah like he said definitely go back and check that one out so we're going to get right into this episode as many of you already know on march 31st 2019 ermias ashadam better known by his stage name nitsi hustle was pronounced dead after a fatal shooting his name ermias is of ethiopian descent and actually means sent from god which is really chilling especially because of the impact nipsey had on the world while he was here he was shot multiple times outside of his store marathon closing in South Los Angeles before being pronounced dead at a local hospital. He was only 33 years old. The suspect, Eric Holder, 29 years old, was apprehended by the police on April 2nd, and the police believe that the violence was due to personal matters between the two. Once the news of his passing became public, the outpour of love, support, and sadness was massive, really because of who Nipsey Hussle was and what he stood for, which is what we really want to highlight on this episode, just getting people familiar with the impact that he really had on this planet. Valid. And also, Nipsey was born in California, grew up in a hard knock streets of Crenshaw. As you could imagine, life was not easy growing up in Crenshaw. I'm dealing with all sorts of poverty, gun violence, and drugs rampant in the community, which is common for many people of color around this country in different pockets, communities yeah. that we've noticed, especially urban areas. So growing up in what some would call a war zone, Nipsey, like so many other young African-American boys in his circumstances, ended up joining a gang, the infamous Rolling 60s Crips, to be more specific. So that's something that he was a part of during his lifetime. But that's not to negate the work that he's done for the community or to even judge a book by its cover, for that matter, pertaining to him joining a gang. People have different reasons why they join. Some of it's for support, some of them because of lack of fatherhood, whatever the case may be. But also speaking to the fact that he definitely did a lot for the community despite him being a part of a gang. And also Nipsey was not only a Grammy-nominated artist, he was an entrepreneur, community leader, and philanthropist which is really important that he was able to give back to his community in great ways. He was nicknamed Neighborhood Nipsey due to his unwavering commitment to his community. Yeah, I I think it's really sad that sometimes people try to bring up the fact, oh, well, he was involved in, in a gang growing up. Yeah, They're trying to negate all the impact that he has. And you said it perfectly. A lot of times people are joining these gangs growing up because... They're in poverty-stricken communities. There's gun violence. There's drugs all over the place. And sometimes when they don't even have the stable family, these gangs basically supplement them actually having a family where they feel that they're a part of a community this way. And I think that's really important of reference because even though that was part of his past, it helped shape who he was and what he was trying to make a difference for in Los Angeles. His philanthropic efforts were so profound that Congresswoman Karen Bass tweeted, I'll be heading to the House floor next week to formally enter Nipsey Hussle's contributions to South Los Angeles into the congressional record where it'll be a part of the United States history forever. And I thought that was just really dope that a U.S. Congresswoman 
realized the impact that he was making in her community. And I think that's just such a beautiful way to honor and tribute everything that he's done. Yeah, and it speaks to the amount of work that he's done to the community. It's unfortunate that it took for him to die for all of this to happen. It would have been great if he was still alive and this was happening while he was alive. And I'm sure it probably was in progress, but it's unfortunate how things turned out. Were you aware of the social impact Nipsey had on his community prior to his death? No, not at all. I honestly mm-hmm. hadn't even heard of Nipsey Hussle up until the song Fuck Donald Trump with him and YG. Yeah. And when I heard that, I'm like, oh, this is dope that they're speaking about political topics yeah. and it's very, like, raw. But I had no clue what he was doing, the impact he was out to make. And I honestly, it's sad to say, I just heard it. And I'm just like, oh, that's cool, Crips and Bloods coming together yeah. to talk about politics. But great like what what more are you doing so I feel kind of stupid knowing that was my initial reaction when I heard the song because he was really out there like Mm -hmm. hustling and just in preparing for this episode and really looking into everything that he was doing it was just really very inspiring Mm -hmm. what about you had you been aware of everything he was doing I was not aware of the things that he was doing especially being pertinent to the community I saw he was on a social scene a lot and that's kind of where I got familiar with him and who he is. And then Lauren London, of course, he was with her. Them being together. And then they did the GQ interview. And I thought that was really nice to see that, see those two couples come together, especially being that they came from those neighborhoods and being able to speak to that and embracing their love and having a child. So that's something that I came a stumble across. And then the fact that he was nominated for a Grammy and I was like, wow, for his album, I believe it was Victory Lap. And it was a great album. And it's unfortunate to see how all of this transpired but it's crazy because I feel like a lot of people are in this realm of being remorseful and grieving for him and they don't even know him some people are not even like diehard fans and it becomes that conversation you don't know his first song is like does it matter he was a human being he contributed a lot to his community he honestly in my opinion he's probably what some of these rappers probably aspire to be for their community. Aside from rapping, he actually did something. People know him. A lot of people came out in droves. And that speaks to the kind of person he is. So I think that's very imperative. Yeah, he, especially like you said, he was really well known in his community. You, you don't get called neighborhood nip for basically without actually putting in time in your community. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the works that he's doing and just other philanthropists who might be in the music industry, especially when it comes to rap, why do you think that the good that they're doing isn't really talked about in the mainstream as much? I mean, I don't know. I think it's twofold. I feel like with Nipsey, I don't know if he was necessarily doing it to get recognition or he was just doing it because he wants to i feel like when you're doing stuff to get recognition everybody knows but when you're doing it because you're just doing it i think that it's twofold there are artists out there who are probably doing a lot for their community that we know nothing about because they're not displaying it all over social media they're not making it well known right um and then there's others that who are doing it and they're publicizing it so i think it's kind of one of those and then also too i think social media don't really highlight that especially um news platforms as much yeah so that's another conflicting factor about it but i do believe that these artists some of them are doing some stuff for the community but you just don't know as to what they're doing i didn't know the extent of what nipsey was doing until he passed away and things were coming a lot of interviews he were doing was coming forward it was just like where was all of these interviews like where was all of these you know things that he was talking about and why wasn't it so prevalent but then again I said it, it could either be he didn't want to put it out there as much or he's just not that type of person to kind of just put it in your face like yeah. I need attention I'm doing this for my community I'm not doing it for any accolades right so it depends I feel yeah that that's a good point I think that the fact that he was doing it for the community so the people who benefited for all the things that he was doing they knew who he was they understood the impact he had and he just doesn't seem like the type of person who was doing it for clout he was really doing it because yeah. he grew up on those streets he got sucked into the gang life and he was trying to make that difference for other people so that that's definitely a good point and then you talked about with like the social media I think with the news which I personally try not to watch because it's constantly talking about a lot of negative yeah. things. I think when it comes to social media, it's a lot about the luxury, the glitz and glam, like just trying to get that clout. So that's what you probably see more in social media. But I think your point was good in terms of he probably was just doing the work and not really worrying about the accolades. He knows he was making a difference. So, And now, again, he passed away, so it's getting highlighted. 
Yeah, it's very true. And Nipsey fully understood that if he wanted to change the trajectory of his community, he would have to invest in it. And that is exactly what he did. As we like to mention on a show often, it's important that we set an example for the next generation and empower them. Nipsey was all about that. Back in October 2018, Nipsey, along with Puma and his marathon clothing store, refurbished the 59th Street Elementary School basketball courts and donated about 10000 to the school. There was also Vector 90, which Nipsey, along co founder partner and real estate developer david gross teamed up to create vector 90 is a technology co-working center and incubator which also offers stem education and for those that are not familiar with the acronym it is stem stands for science technology engineering and math yeah i really love that he did that as mentioned before he was growing up in that gang culture so he understood that people and kids looked towards athletes and looked towards artists, especially in the L.A. area with artists like Kendrick, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. Like, these people are icons. So people look to them as a way to escape and to get out of that community without having to revert to gang violence and drugs. In an interview with L.A. Times, he stated, in our culture, there's a narrative that says, follow the athletes, follow the entertainers, And that's cool, but there should be something that says, follow Elon Musk, follow Mark Zuckerberg. I think that with being influential as an artist and young and upcoming from the inner city, it makes sense for me to be one of the people that's waving that flag. And it's funny, actually, hearing that quote from the L.A. Times interview, because Mm -hmm. when we had Ali Gates on the last episode, again, if you haven't heard it, definitely go check it out. He is a software programmer, and he talked about when he met Nipsey, he said to him, oh, you are a software programmer. We don't got those around here. I need you. Exactly. I need you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so he clearly had the vision and he saw like, okay, this person looks like me and they're in a field that you don't even hear about in my neighborhood. So he was already contemplating, like, I need these type of people on my team to really make that impact. And in another interview with Black Enterprise Magazine, he stated, so basically there are these different office spaces rented by entrepreneurs that are starting apps or got skincare companies or product lines. So they get investors in the building with David Gross, who's the founder and partner, and myself. Every year we're going to be able to do first round of seeding for one of these entrepreneurs. They can make a pitch and say, this is what I'm doing. This is what we need to take it to the next level. And they can have access to the investments in the same building instead of having to fly somewhere. It's right here in the Crenshaw District. That's, that's dope. Yeah, that's like the beautiful part about it. Yeah. A lot of people make money and then they're moving to like Calabasas or they're, they're going to different parts of the country, buying islands. He literally stood exactly where he was and was creating opportunities right there in his neighborhood, like literally right on the block that he grew up on. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was doing it and he's not like as wealthy as a Dr. Dre or Jay-Z, he's doing it with the point he's at. Like he didn't even have to wait to get to a certain number. He's Mm -hmm. like making that immediate impact. So that's powerful. I also think it's important to realize that when you're pitching and you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for people to invest in your business, Sometimes these people don't have the money or the value when it comes to having funds to travel all over and to pitch to different people. So to have someone come to you, that makes it even more beneficial. You got to keep in mind, sometimes the ones who are pitching who ain't got shit are probably going to be the ones that actually do a better pitching because they're hungry. The hunger is there because they don't have the means of doing what they need to do with their company. So I think it's a great opportunity for people, whether they have the funds or not. At least if you don't have the funds, it's not limiting you to accessibility. Um, So having them come straight to Crenshaw, I think that's very imperative. And also building up the community, which I think is also an important factor as well. How important is it for kids to see other opportunities outside of sports and entertainment, especially in their own neighborhoods? I think that's amazing. I grew up in Canarsie and... Now that I think about it, I didn't really see places that I could go to learn about different opportunities outside of, like he said, sports and entertainment. I ended up going to a specialized school for junior high school and high school, Mm -hmm. but I had to travel. I had to take a yellow bus. Like There was nothing right there in my community. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's super important to have it right in the communities that need it the most because if you don't give these kids a shot – they're never going to be able to make that difference and or take their experiences and use that to 
improve their community, improve the world, which is what Nipsey was doing. And it makes me think about uh, LeBron James and with the I Promise School. Yeah. And we actually talked about that in one of our past episodes. We'll definitely put that in the show notes so you could check that out as well. But there was just a report that came out today that the school, which right now only has third and fourth graders, mm-hmm. the, the test results that they came out with are in the 90th percentile so their kids are doing exceptionally well and the only thing is that they gave these kids an opportunity they put the school right in the center of the the community and with given the same opportunity these kids are excelling so i think nipsey was onto something you can literally build right where you came from and giving those opportunities to the kids of the next generation and having their experiences especially coming from like these war zone areas, these people are going to be the ones who are going to be innovative, going to be passionate, and really going to make that difference because they're living through it. And But they also see that people care and are giving us an opportunity to do something about it and choose a different trajectory. No, that's true. Very valid point. Um, Nipsey, along with his business partner, Gross, were also working on Hyde Park real estate project. They bought the land at the mall where Nipsey's Marathon clothing store was. Um, They immediately created opportunities for local entrepreneurship and businesses once they owned the land and had a long-term plan. The long-term vision for the project was to build high-quality, affordable housing units, as well as create opportunities for community members via employment and business opportunities. Investing in his community was not something he said just for clout. He was really about that life. He bought a neighborhood burger restaurant, a fish market, and a barbershop. He also employed countless neighborhood residents and paid for funeral arrangements for the fallen. When I heard that he was paying for funeral arrangements for people who suffered losses at gun violence, I'm just like, damn, he really was like the, he was like the godfather for his community, especially because he had gone through it. He saw that violence growing up, and he made a way for himself, and he was just really just committed single-mindedly about making that difference to the community. Nipsey understood the impact of building a legacy and being able to leave something behind for his children and future generations. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes it's so easy to just be focused on the present moment and yourself, especially when you're coming from poverty. But Nipsey wanted to be sure to leave more behind for his children than material goods. He wanted to leave behind businesses, investments, real estate, and a legacy of giving back. And to say that he was an inspiration to many is an understatement. So much so that President Barack Obama wrote a letter to Nipsey and his family, which was actually read at his memorial service. In the letter, it stated, Dear friends and family of Nipsey, I'd never met Nipsey Hussle, but I'd heard some of his music through my daughters and after his passing. I had the chance to learn more about his transformation and his community work. While most folks at the Crenshaw neighborhood where he grew up see only gangs, bullets, and despair, Nipsey saw potential. He saw hope. He saw a community that, even through its flaws, taught him how to always keep going. His choice to invest in that community rather than ignore it, to build a skills training center and co-working space in Crenshaw, to lift up the Etrian American community, to set an example for young people to follow is a legacy worth of celebrating. I hope his memory inspires more good work in Crenshaw and communities like it. Michelle and I send our sympathies to Lauren, Imani, Cross, and the entire Ashadam family and to all those who loved Nipsey. Sincerely, Barack. That's dope. (laughs) He don't just write letters for anybody. So to know that he took the time and actually wrote that letter that meant something and his memorial service was really impactful heard it was massive um they were in the staples center so to know that he had that kind of impact on his community i think that's very imperative and just know that he was honored and loved in such a great way i thought that was really very interesting and the fact he had one of the tattoos i believe on his face was god will rise and yeah i just thought how everything kind of tied and he died at 33 that's crazy like how everything happened right around easter so if you're really into religion like that's like a whole thing like my mom was just wrapped around all of that i was like he died like right around easter at the age of 33 and it brought me back to Nas song one mic when he broke down a song and he talked about how jesus died at 33 and 32 shots and i was listening to the song right around the time his death happened i was like oh shit like for me i was just trying to put all the pieces i was like wow he you know so if you're really into religion and you believe in all of that um definitely i for me i just looked at his death as it being a little bit more meaningful than what it was unfortunately um i kind of believe it was like his time 
just not in that way. The way things happen and the way things come about. Yeah. Um, but I was just like wrapping my head around everything. I was like, this is really interesting. Like how everything happened and what's crazy is that his bodyguard wasn't with him and that's another thing that people need to know is that he went to his store to get clothing for one of his i guess longtime friends who just came out of prison Literally. and he wanted to provide him with clothes from his store this eric holder guy and him must have had some exchange of words and then eric holder shot him and i believe nipsey was not armed with anything so i don't believe he could protect himself and his bodyguard wasn't there because he didn't anticipate that he was just going to do a pop-up at the store and i know people are just like well some people may say well he should have his bodyguard or whatever and i mean at the end of the day does it matter like when you're born and raised in those neighborhoods no matter how far i get in life i want to knock a return back to the hood and still be okay yeah. like if i could walk to the corner store and i'm gucci and i haven't had any traumatic experiences in my neighborhood and even if so to me that's home for me you know i'm a bit more of an analytical thinker so when i came to his death i just kind of looked at it from a different perspective especially pertaining to like being spiritual and religion and um yeah and yeah. i believe his family's really big on being spiritual his mom as well and the speech that she made at his memorial was very impactful so, yeah. It's crazy. The fact that at the time of his death, he was literally giving back. He had a friend who came out of jail. And a lot of times when you're at the status that he was in terms of his celebrity, notoriety, and wealth, sometimes you can kind of step away from the hood and where you grew up with and people that might have been caught up in the system, even though you were fortunate enough to get out. And that's just not what he was about. His... His longtime acquaintance came out of jail, and the first thing he was doing was taking him to the store to get him back on his feet. That that right there just shows a lot about who he was as a person. And I, I think what you said, unfortunately, he's passed, but I think his passing is going to have a real impact on the community. Mm -hmm. I think that so many people are seeing what he's done and are going to take that torch and continue to do the work. Like, just researching and finding out more about him because, like I said, I didn't know much yeah. about him other than the, the Fuck Donald Trump song. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, damn, this dude really is, like, he's really giving back. And like, I, was, I thought about my own community growing up in Canarsie, and I'm just like, I haven't done really much of anything to give back to the community that I grew up in because I was there for 20 years of my life from, like, five years old. So that's my home, and it, it made me think about it's so easy for us to move on, get a job, move out, but kind of really taking a step back and looking at the communities that we've come from and being willing or trying to find ways to empower that community, give back to that community in some way or another. So that it just gave me some food for thought to think about how can I make a difference for kids in the community that I grew up in. And yeah. especially around the times of the holidays, it's always important to think about ways of giving back. So I'm just saying for me, I'm thinking now like my wheels are spinning because if everyone just kind of takes that approach where they're just trying to help the communities that they came from, we're going to just be rising up and everyone's going to benefit from it. Yeah, and speaking of him motivating other people, um, Issa Rae also tweeted, um, watching Nipsey inspired me to invest and own in our communities. She also vowed to continue Nipsey's work through Destination Crenshaw, which is a community-driven initiative to showcase the talent of black artists in the city. It is slated to be a, a 1.3-mile open-air museum with permanent and rotating art exhibits along Crenshaw Boulevard. What do you think is the impact of having like an open-air museum that's going to just show the work of artists in the neighborhood? Um, I think that's dope and actually give them a platform of recognition as to for them to showcase their work. I mean, we did it with our Unapologetic Art Expo. The whole premise of it was to give black artists a platform to showcase their work because we felt like they weren't getting enough recognition and having the ability to sell their artwork, engage with other people and network as well and kind of build their brand and their image. So it is imperative that if you have the tools and you have you're put in a position of privilege where you can put someone else from the community or others on a map, you should definitely do it. So I think that him doing that within itself is really important, especially when we speak about the community of Crenshaw and the misinterpretation or, you know, false connotations that go with that community that people may have to know that you have positivity coming out of it and for him to actually highlight that is important. Yeah. When I heard about Destination Crenshaw, I'm like, well, 
at fr- instantly my first reaction was destination and Crenshaw kind of contradict each other because mm-hmm. you don't think of Crenshaw as a destination as a place people want to go and visit but I think that whole concept is just a beautiful one because it's really taking that negative connotation and putting a spin on it and it's like listen granted there may be things that have happened in this community but there is so much dope dopeness still coming out of it and we want to highlight that stuff and we're actively working on improving the community but the fact that they're going to just be highlighting the works of people from the community like I said like with our art show it's about just really just giving creatives of color a platform that they can showcase their works and I think something like that again it just gives kids which is so important it gives them something to look at something to aspire to something outside of sports and entertainment that they can look to and say oh I want to do that I want to create dope art or sculpture that can last forever and people are going to come from around the world to come check out take pictures with it's just another option and it I think it's really important that the next generation especially those in poverty-stricken communities are provided with the same options because a lot of times the people who have dealt with the the worst situations, that insight, those experiences can create really dope products out of it because of pain and the turmoil yeah. that they've gone through. I actually read this book called Outliers, and it talked about oftentimes when people are dealing with traumatic situations that they can either respond where they give up on life or they can respond and they come back even more powerful and yeah. able to make a real difference. And I think Nipsey was a perfect example of that. Like, he literally was about that life. He wasn't one of those Instagram gangsters, but That's he really crazy. took that and was like, yo, this isn't it. <laughs> this isn't yeah. the way. And I'm going to take this, take what I learned and what I was able to accomplish with it and buy him back the block, which we've talked about, like, with Jay-Z and his music. And again, so sad that this happened, but I think that the impact that's going to be felt is going to be really powerful. There's going to be a lot of people taking up the mantle and really finding ways to give back because there's just so much money out there and there's so much ways to make a difference. Mm -hmm. So in this day and age, how important do you think it is in terms of showcasing the works of creatives? It's very important. And like I said, it's a matter of having the platform that people need to have an equal opportunity. And I think it's important that we allow people to have that. So it is important. Yeah, I'm actually really excited because with the Unapologetic Art Expo, it gave us that opportunity to meet other creatives and see how they look at the world and how they were able to just take their experiences and create dope art. And not all of it happened to be dealing with poverty-stricken communities or social injustices, but it just shows you like that that wide range of different expressions, different experiences that people of color are dealing with. So it was just great being able to be a part of that experience and then being able to pick the mind of the artist and then being able to bring those artists together with different people that are there to appreciate it. I think it's such a dope thing. And art is, I think, for everyone. And it's in this day and age, especially with social media, I think that the art is getting into people's hands. Before, I think it was more of a you had to have money or you had to be connected to really be in that art world. But now with the social media everyone is getting more familiar with it and for people like jay-z who talk about art and his music is making it more mainstream so i'm really excited about that and just again the opportunities that people are going to be able to have by being exposed to art and more culture in that way Mm -hmm. so that right there was really what was beautiful about nipsey hustle's life because he really was an inspiration for so many people and like we said before, with like Issa taking up the torch to continue the Destination Crenshaw project, Nick Cannon has actually came out and said that he's going to take on the torch for one of Nipsey's projects that he was working on, but unfortunately was not able to finish before his passing. So that project is what I want to talk about on today's Coach P Dropping Gems. That project was regarding a documentary on a holistic Hondarian healer 
called Dr. CB. So Dr. CB's story is a really intriguing one, but it's not widely known as you'd expect, which is why I want to discuss it. So he actually made the headlines when he announced in 1985 via several publications, including the New York Post, that his research institute found the cure for AIDS, leukemia, sickle cell, herpes, and other diseases. So right off the bat, if you're putting in a newspaper that you're cured AIDS, leukemia, sickle cell, herpes, like these are things that are like ravaging people's lives and people who have been afflicted with these diseases, it, it has a real effect on them. Yeah. So the fact that he put that in the newspaper in the Mecca of the world, it got the attention of the New York State Attorney General at the time. And he was charged with practicing medicine without a license and for making fraudulent claims. So just to give you a backstory. Dr. Sebi, he was practicing in Honduras, so he wasn't technically a doctor based on Western culture in terms of going to medical school and getting all that licensing, but he was a healer that a lot of people went to. And the judge requested that Dr. Sebi bring in one witness for each disease that he claimed to cure, which was about nine, and he ended up bringing over 70 witnesses to testify. And lo and behold, he won the case against the New York State Supreme Court And it's crazy that you don't really hear much about it. And that's where Nipsey Hussle came into this. He really wanted to highlight the story of Dr. Sebi and his work. And that's why he wanted to do a documentary to talk about that court case. Because the fact that you can win a case against the New York State Supreme Court and you brought in 70 witnesses to testify that they had certain diseases and afflictions and then that you were able to heal it. Like, that should be groundbreaking news that should be talked about everywhere. But for whatever reason, it's not. Mm -hmm. So thank goodness Nick Cannon actually announced, again, that he's going to be taking that over and working to release the project. It's crazy because on the episode of The Breakfast Club, he was talking to them about the fact that he was doing the documentary. And he stated that if I end up dying for this, you guys better ride for me. And so there has been a lot of conspiracy theories and people coming out saying that because of this Dr. Sebi documentary, he was trying to mess with Big Farm's money so that mm-hmm. that they are the ones who were kind of, quote unquote, behind the death of Nipsey. Mm-hmm. But to give you guys just a little bit of background about Dr. Sebi and the methodology around his work, he believed that all diseases in the human body were caused by the mucous membrane being compromised. So the mucous membrane is a sheet of tissue lining all your body channels that communicate with the air. So like your mouth, your respiratory tract, your digestive tract, and different glands secrete mucus, which lubricate and protect all the tissues. So now the next thing was when there was something wrong with the mucus, wherever it was, that was what would cause the disease. So for example, if there was too much mucus in your bronchial tubes, you would end up having bronchitis. If there was too much mucus in your lungs, you would have a pneumonia. If you had too much mucus in your pancreatic duct, that's what caused diabetes. And then if you had a buildup of mucus in your joints, that's what caused arthritis. So that was the just the, a simple way of describing his theory around diseases. So... And he also taught that diseases could only survive in an acidic environment. So basically, our human body, our blood, it's either it's going to be either acidic or alkaline. And it's basically a scale where zero is the lowest number, and that means you're very high acid, and 14 is the highest number, and that means you're very alkaline. And alkaline, you could just think about it as being in the green. So you're having a lot of green vegetables in your diet. So when you're eating, like, dead foods like meat or bread, processed foods, that stuff causes acid to build up in your system. But when you're drinking, like, green juices, green leafy vegetables, certain fruits, adding lemon to your water, those are the things that move you from the acid in your blood to going more alkaline, so more in the green. So his whole premise was you need to detox your body first And by detoxing, you allow the toxins to leave your body. And then afterwards, you eat a diet that's full of high electric living foods that are going to bring you into the green. And it sounds very simple, but when you think about it, people talk about the plant-based diet all the time and how it's just what's natural for human beings. So if you're eating a diet that's not going to cause acid to build up in your system, your cells will essentially 
reset because they have that inherent know-how about how to recover and heal themselves, but it's just about creating a conducive environment to do that. So by getting rid of like meat, fish, and other products like processed foods that would cause acid buildup, he just preached detox your body, clear it out, and then just stuff it with the green, healthy foods that are going to just cause a nice alkaline state in your body will just take care of the healing on its own and there are so many people who have actually talked about this diet and have actually lived it um one being lisa left eye uh angela yee has talked about her being on the dr sebi diet and detoxing her body and even michael jackson as well like a lot of people have stood by his work and have benefited from it ironically enough my roommate's the one who actually taught me about him because he was taking his products and I was big into healthy nutrition so he said hey you should look into this guy's stuff I'm feeling great taking these pills and all natural foods so yeah Nipsey's whole thing like he said on the breakfast club interview he didn't want to go into the very specifics about what the methodology to actually get rid of these diseases that Dr. Sebi was claiming that he was able to cure. He just wanted to shed light on that case so that people can take up that action themselves and go do the research themselves. And I think it's scary to think that possibly the big pharmaceutical companies are doing everything in their power to make such a documentary not come out. So I just wanted to honestly do my part and actually just share this information at a very high level to give people the opportunity to look into it for themselves. I think anything, especially when it comes to health and nutrition, it's about your own experience and actually trying it out for yourself and seeing how it affects you. So if you're interested in learning more about Dr. Sebi, you can actually visit his website at drsebiesselffood.com and we'll actually include that in the show notes. Have you ever heard of Dr. Sebi before this, Key? Um, I heard about him. I didn't know that what he was doing was so massive that people was dying um, around him, talking about him. With the Lisa Left Eye thing, yeah, but I didn't fully equate it to that. I think if the diet works for whoever who's doing it, then so be it. I've heard mixed reviews because since Nipsey's passing, people have said that there has been a couple posts. I follow Luvi Ajahi. That's the one that we had for our book club. Yeah. And... Uh, she had like reposted something where someone was saying like Dr. CB was a fraud. So it's like in how he's not as believable as people may think he was. So I don't know. Um, I'm not saying that I fully agree with that um, post or anything like that, but I just don't know enough. So hopefully when this documentary come out, I could get a better idea of who he was. I think it's very ironic that someone who is, plays a huge part in healing people, especially being a black man, and then he ends up just miraculously dying. It's like, that's weird. Yeah. Um, that's a little suspicious. But what I will say is um, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of his routine or whatever he his regimen or who's on it because I'm not about that life. But if it works for you and it cleanses you, then so be it. I had bronchitis before. It's not fun. So if you could find any ways of trying to not lead to that, then go right ahead. But what I will say is that when Nipsey passed away, and I thought we as a community, we agreed that we was going to wait for further information to come out, you know, since in, in context of the Jesse Smollett situation. <laughs> um, it's funny because when Nipsey passed, people were like, oh, it's a conspiracy. It was like all over the internet. And I'm like, so can we wait to see what else happened because it went from it being a conspiracy to Eric Holder was paid by the government, FBI is behind this, they trying to do like a Fred Hampton type shit. I'm like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, Fred Hampton, FBI bust through his door and killed him and his girlfriend like on site with multiple shots. Eric Holder's situation is a completely different context. I'm not saying the FBI or whoever, the government don't play a part in whatever, but I need more than just some assumptions. I need more than we hypothetically think because I really personally don't genuinely fully 100% believe that he died over a documentary. I need more to work with. And that's just the legal background of me you know i need i'm a bit more analytical someone had posted i guess from cali who who knows who's in that area in the community that i guess nipsey had cut ties with eric holder they had a business relationship and he didn't want to work with him anymore and the guy's a snake and yeah his name uh, is shitty cuz in the street and, and, and now we know why so um and because of that he just pulled up and you know, did what he did. So who's to say if it was a conspiracy? Who to say if Dr. CB was behind it? Who's to say Eric Holder wasn't paid? He probably was. Who knows? I'm not quite sure. Who's to say that he's just not envious 
of Nipsey and he was getting all this recognition. And I want to make this point because his death did something for me um, in the context of a lot of us are born and raised in these hoods. And it's either you are part of the problem or you find it or you're a part of the solution. There's really no in-betweens. You can't live in the hood and be in between. Like you kind of have to be on, you know, opposite sides. And growing up in the Bronx, born and raised, um, trust me, we have our share of problems, especially in urban communities when it comes to poverty, violence and everything of that nature. And luckily, I was able to have the privilege and opportunity. I always say going to college for me was a privilege because it's not afforded to everybody. And just because I went to college and I did like law school for a little bit doesn't make me better than anybody in my community. Because when I went to those schools, I had to come back home to the hood. And I saw that was my reality. And that gave me balance. I see black people from the hood go to these schools and they think they the shit. And I'm like, at the end of the day, when the semester's up, you're pulling back up to the hood. So it's Gucci. My problem with <laughs> it is that a lot of us you know it's like I said it's either you, you're part of the problem you're part of the solution Nipsey Hustle has that did something for me because I always think of how I'm going to give back to the community you want to be a part of the change and what he was he was so instrumental in changing his community and had control in the change of the community the fact that you could buy up businesses and employ people to work there from the community just like when Jay-Z did Barclays it's only black people from Brooklyn that was working there if you ever pulled up to Barclays, because I went there for the Rihanna concert, shout out Ray Ray, you, it was literally only black people, and Jay-Z made it a thing where people of color, black people work from Brooklyn. So when you have that, you get to control. And then even in terms of Nipsey Hustle case, you get to control gentrification happening in your community at rapid rates. So the problem is, is when you have someone like him so prolific that want to make a change for the community and doing so much, and then you stay in the community trying to better the community, you end up dying. And this is my problem. If the Eric Holder thing is really on some shysty, he was envious and, you know, he didn't like the way that he was at the Grammys and he's now chilling with Jay-Z and Beyonce and now he's doing a JQ. Because GQ don't do a spread for any and everybody, people. Let's let's get that straight. The fact that he did that with his woman, um, it could be. And we got to acknowledge a crab in a barrel in the black community. We got to acknowledge that exist in the community and also Nitsi Hustle did an interview when he spoke about when you're in put in a position where you're struggling and in poverty you lack morality so you're you're on survival mode you're trying to survive so at the end of the day you probably gonna snatch and kill any and anybody who you see thriving because you lacking that yeah. and I see that in the hood like it's like you running on your last dollar you got a family now you out here stealing food and shit and you bugging out or going to the bank and still like because you're trying to find a means and this is what happens when you're clumped up in a community and we don't have accessibility and resources but why I say my point is I'm torn because I want to stay in my community I want to build it up but I don't want to be a martyr in the process true I got a family I want to have kids I mean I have them right now but I want to have them eventually I want to watch them grow up I don't want to lose my life because I'm doing it for the hood because and and I see how we do our martyrs. I see how we do them. You got the Kanye West of the world saying slavery was a choice. That shit still burned my soul to this day. And in fact, and it's not even just about him making that one comment. It's other black people that was like, well, let's think about this. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? 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 What's there to think about? Like, and I had to. I don't went toe to toe with some of the people who consider themselves woke. I'm like, you're not woke. You in a sunken place. Where the <laughs> fuck is my teacup? Like, on some real shit. And and I and no, because his death really did something for me because it made me question what kind of change you want to make. Do I want to pull a Jay Z, just invest in a community and just live far away? You know, because you got to see it like this. And I don't know if anyone really think about it that far. It's either you and a lot of us critique the people who get up and leave and make it. Oh, you just left us behind. But if you have a more likely chance of living and surviving, do you blame them? Yeah, that's a good point. Do you blame them? If you know you made it out the hood and you got your spot and you moved on and you became better and you're alive to watch your family grow up, play a part in their life and all of that stuff. Can you knock them? And then you have the Nipsey hustles of the world. And there's not a lot of men like a Nipsey hustle. Let's keep it all the way a hundred. That's one to live in his community and build up the community and watch it thrive to the point that he's so comfortable to go back to the community and without having a gun and without having a bodyguard, you know, and now he's a martyr. Do we want that? And you see how we treat our martyrs. We see, you see how some of us, we talk down and basically spit on the names of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. and Shirley Chisholm and all of those people before who actually played a part in the movement. Fannie Lou Hamer, like the list is endless. And then even down to the whole ancestors and slavery being a choice. 
we and it come on man like you know what i'm saying and ben carson making comments about slaves the problem is is that Get that's and that's why for me I, i'm gonna keep it 100 i struggle with that because i don't want to be a martyr for the community and the culture and y'all don't respect me when i'm gone and the people who are feeling it are my family and my close friends who are really truly beneath the surface of missing me because they know me for who I am, then opposed to the masses who's like, oh, I see she did great work for the community. She did wonderful things. Yes, that's, that is true. I did wonderful things, but at a price of me losing my life. So I just wanted to talk about that pertaining to his death and being caught in the middle, and it's something that I'm still working on. But I will say that I have every intentions of me wanting to give back, but I have to question the proximity of how I'm going to be in the neighborhoods and if I'm going to be a distance away. And still be able to give back. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have haters. And it, it sucks when it's your own people. I question if Eric Holder ever stopped. And, did you know what you just did? Yeah. Do you know and understand and comprehend what you just did? You just took away a prolific leader that we needed. And he was trying to help your dusty ass. So it's like, it wasn't like it was just one person. It was the whole community. So it's like, do you understand what you did? And then again, for all we know, he probably happy he did it. He probably just on some like I'm gonna be known for this. We don't know, and that's yeah. and those are the things we need to talk about. And I love how people put so much energy into this conspiracy theory, but we ain't putting energy into that. Talk about the crabs in the barrels in our community. Talk about the people who don't want to see it succeed, and talk about why when we make it, why there's some of us that are so envious, especially when we try to do it for the culture. Look, we need to have those real conversations. But I'm gonna end on that note because I'm about to get into Keys T real quick. And speaking of, since we're on the topic of Nitsy Hustle, Kodak Dusty Ass Black um, <laughs> made a comment talking about, I don't understand this dude, bruh. So we all know the passing of Nipsey Hustle. Subsequent his passing, he made a comment and came wild out of pocket pertaining to Lauren London. He was like, I'll give her a whole year. She might need a whole year to be crying and shit for him. He also said that he'll be the best man he could be to her. I'm like, I don't know, this is some new rapper shit. I don't know what's going on with this new generation of rappers, these little mumble rappers. But my thing was, I was like, listen, that's wild disrespectful. Like, OD disrespectful. Like, really? Like, what? What? first of all, why you felt the need to comment? Like, you got a rape allegation case coming up. Like, I'm going to need you to work on that, bro. Like, but you know what got me, though? And I'm not surprised with what he said, because I think he did it for clout. One of two things. It's funny because J. Cole rapped about him on Middle Child. Yeah. And was talking about, I think he's around a bad influence. Hmm. I don't know if J. Cole regret making that verse about him now, or is it really he's around a bad influence? This is just how he is. Secondly, I think he did it for clout more than anything. And thirdly, what I will say is I love how everybody came together, want to ban him. Some radio stations don't want to play his music. Where was all this energy when he's accused of rape? That's a great point. Damn. When he did an interview with Ebro from Hot 97, Ebro asked him in the interview about his rape allegations. This dude up and walked out the interview because he didn't feel comfortable answering it. Right? So and you have Trick Daddy. Shout out to Miami, by the way. He spazzed out on Ebro, did a whole like cussing him out like you should have never asked him that like honor the court and i'm like wait hold on so everybody he was coming at ebro other people came at ebro for asking him i was like so we not talking about rape allegations now do we is it reserved for only white men i'm confused um but my thing was where was the energy for that now the energy is because he made a comment towards Lauren London, which I'm not saying was appropriate at all. And if what happens to him in the backlash, great. But where was the energy for all his rape allegations? He got a trial coming up. So I want to see where we stand as a culture, the community. A little bothered by that. And also another factor, since we're on the Keys T topic, as we know, O.J. Simpson <laughs> prosecutor Christopher Darden is representing Eric Holder in this case, um, Nipsey Hussle. So I'm not sure what he's doing because he's been under the radar for quite some time. And I find it to be interesting that he just popped out of nowhere, um, even though he was shunned out the black community, um, just popped out of nowhere. Now he's representing Eric Holder. I'm, I'm so confused by what's going on here. Like and I'm and I really feel like he's doing it for clout and for attention. So I want to see how that trial going to turn out. Um, but, bruh, I'm like, what are you doing? Of all the things you can do to even, if he's even trying to redeem himself, this is not the way to go. And now you've given us more of a reason to keep you out and shun you out of the community. So I just wanted to kind of end on that. Um, thank you for tuning in to Keys T. The crazy thing is, <laughs> it's a wrap for Shitty Cuz. Because if he doesn't go to jail when he comes out, when he when he comes home, it's over. Like, so many people 
are supporting Nipsey. I can't even imagine him surviving like a week if he doesn't end up in jail. And it's not even that. When he first got in, he was in solitary confinement. I was like, that's real. <laughs> they gave you that treatment because right, they right knew they was the about they, they off the bat because they knew they was gonna fuck his ass up. Oh wow. So like, with what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? That's why I'm like, I'm like, does this dude understand what he did? Yeah. Like it's it's just suicide. <laughs> he fucked up. <laughs> R.I.P. to Nipsey Hussle. I am so happy that he was able to bless this earth and give us wonderful gems throughout his interview and also through his music. Check and make sure you listen to his song on repeat. All his albums, he bought his masters. So all the funds and money will go towards his family, which is really important. So if you want to support and you want to be down for the community, start there by repeating his music. I've been playing it nonstop, especially um, last time I checked with YG. That's one of my favorite tracks. Um, So I would definitely say do that. And I just... So happy that he blessed this planet with his presence. Such a knowledgeable dude. And it speaks to who he is as a character and also to black love. You know, a lot of us come from the hood and we feel like when we see these kind of love stories, like the Remy Ma and the Papoose and, <laughs> and the Nipsey Hussle and the Lauren Londons, we feel like there's no hope. But those relationships give me hope. That's and a like great point. other young kids in the neighborhood hope that not all dudes are fuckboys from the hood, even though some of them are a little questionable. But. It gives you hope that black love is thriving, no matter your circumstances, no matter it is. Like Lauren London said in her um, service, which I thought was really beautiful. It's sad. What she said at the memorial service it was a text message she sent him while she was sleeping next to him in January. And she actually put it a part of his, his memorial packet thing yeah. and his eulogy, I believe. And she spoke about... I, one of the key points that she made was like, you were my turn up in my church. And I was like, that's the kind of love I'm looking for. But prayers go out to her. And I hope that she gets through this. It's going to be hard times. But I'm just so happy that he blessed this earth and really showed us the kind of person he was. And give light to just because you're affiliated, you're part of a gang, doesn't mean that you are you fall within the stereotypes that comes along with being in a gang. And also, too, it speaks to the fact that being born and raised in a hood, you can still make a difference no matter your circumstances. So rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, definitely. Well said. I don't even think there's anything else that needs to be added to that. Of Rest in peace and hope you continue to look down on us and and protecting us from above so once again guys thank you for tuning in make sure if you haven't done so already you purchase that ringtone playing all silky smooth in your background right now for android users you can purchase that at the tunes store and for apple users you can purchase that at the itunes store Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at unapologeticd underscore. And you can make donations to our Patreon account by searching unapologetically different. And finally, you can find all our shows on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and now Stitcher by searching unapologetically different. Stay tuned for our next episode. Bye.